0: Thanks for tuning in to the What's the Wi-Fi Password, a podcast for our Jesus Famous Youth Ministry. Today, we have a message from our 2022 middle school summer camp about trusting in the Lord. Enjoy. How are you guys doing? Great to see you. I have uh, come into this place with great expectation for tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be here tonight. To be with you all tonight, I I am really excited. And uh, I really believe God is doing something great. You are a very special group of young men and young women. And I just want to tell you that, that you are a special group that I believe God is reviving. I believe tonight that God's going to bring life where there's death tonight. I believe tonight that God's going to bring wholeness where there's brokenness tonight. I believe tonight that God is going to bring an endless hope for you, where there's been a hopeless end for you. I really believe tonight that God is going to move, and, and I've come with some great expectation. I, I hope you have, too. Uh, I, I have in my hand uh, the first letter my wife ever wrote to me, and we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, but I uh, took that note, and I hid it away Uh, And I get it out uh, all the time. I I read it all the time because uh, I'm in a loving relationship with my wife. And I want to hear her words over and over again. And uh, we were serving in junior high ministry together, actually, uh, my wife and I, when she wrote me this letter. And uh, can I read it to you tonight? Yeah. I just pray that you've come in with some expectation. And no matter how many years have passed, that you still have expectation that God's going to meet you right where you're at tonight, right where you're seated. And uh, she wrote these words, dearest case, my favorite name for you. I just wanted to write a quick note to tell you that you are so very special to me. And you encourage me daily as I pray for you and see How you are allowing the Lord to work in your life. You are taking big faithful steps. And you will be greatly blessed because of your courage. I love you. And and then um, she she wrote these words. She said, P.S., Love forever and always in Christ, everlasting heart. That was one of the first emojis because we didn't have texting at that time. Lisa. And the reason why I share that with you today is because uh, I, I don't know about you, but you could go through camp and, and go through each session and you're really not expecting God uh, to speak to you or to move in your heart or to move in your life. And you could have heard a message before or you could have read that certain chapter before in the Bible. But, but I, I'm coming in with some fresh expectation that God would move tonight, that God would even break tonight, that God would restore tonight. And I've been reading a lot about uh, Charles Finney Charles Finney was a great revivalist in America, and uh, he shared the gospel where bars would shut down, prisons would shut down, people were coming to Jesus all over the place, and uh, the cities were being changed. And this is what he wrote. He said, there can be no revival when Mr. Amen and Mr. Wet Eyes are not found in the audience. And I I believe that today, that the amen and the wet eyes and the broken heart are all brought to Jesus, and he revives you. He revives you. So I I want us to be revived tonight in what God has for us. So, what can wash away my... Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole There you go. Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, Jesus Keep going. And that makes me Jesus. white as snow. No, no other I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it like you're cool. Nothing but the blood. Jesus. sing it like you don't care who's listening, nothing but the blood of Jesus, amen, I want to talk to you to, uh, tonight about a topic that you probably have never struggled with your whole life, uh, it's a topic that you probably have never even faced in your life and that is how do you trust the Lord when you've been hurt by somebody else? How do you really forgive somebody? And the reason why I sing that song of nothing but the blood of Jesus is simply because we've been forgiven by Him. And the expectation in being forgiven by the Lord is that we would live a life of forgiveness towards people that are around us. So if you have your Bible, if you can open it up to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. As we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, as we lean not on our own understanding, as we in all of our ways acknowledge Him and He makes our path straight. I, I, want, I want you to look at Jonah uh, chapter 4 with me uh, in your Bible right now and, and if you could uh, find it there when you pinpoint it, if you can, uh, just say amen. But but we want to come to a spot in, in here tonight where we can in our lives come to such a spot where we're going to see God working through His word. And so I want to talk to you tonight about this topic of revenge. And, and I don't know how many of you have ever wanted to get revenge, but revenge is something that is, is a very uh, costly act. Revenge is something that we can find that in our lives, it's all over the place. When we talk about revenge and not forgiving people that have hurt you, but you actually want to get back at them. There is all over the internet, the payback.com, There is revenge websites called the Revenge Lady. If you have the Revenge Lady, you're definitely going to have the Revenge Guy. And also you have a website called Make Him Pay. These are all different revenge places that people really live within this. And some of you, you've been so deeply hurt that that's exactly that you've been doing and want to do is get revenge and hold on to your unforgiveness towards that person. Jonah chapter 4, if you have your Bible ready... In handy. Verse 1 reads, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than it is to live, Jonah said. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? And so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till the, that he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it may be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. And so Jonah was very grateful to the plant. But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah again, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said... You have had pity on the plant which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left Notice the question that God poses to Jonah is a question I would like to pose to you tonight. And that is this. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Have you ever wanted to get revenge? To make them pay the same way that you had to pay? Have you ever wanted to get revenge to let some time go by, but you're ready to settle the score? You've actually been reloading your words to get back at that specific person. Have you ever wanted to get revenge Even though possibly you've heard the warning from your youth pastor in the word. In Romans 12 verse 17. And pay no one evil for evil. Have regards for good things in the sight of all men. Even though you possibly have heard Proverbs 24 verse 29. Do not say I will do to him as he has done to me. I will repay according to his work says the Lord. Maybe you found yourself even knowing Romans 12, verse 19, where the Bible says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And maybe you've come into this place and you've heard the words already about getting revenge. You've already heard the formula about forgiveness, but maybe you have harbored a hurt. And that hurt now has turned into hatred. And because of that hatred, you have found yourself in your own life right now that you are in a place that you would rather see that person ruined rather than revived by God. Maybe you've come into this place and the person that has hurt you, you would rather see them in pain rather than being at a place where they are pleasing and turning to Christ. Maybe you've come into this place and you are saying the same prayer that David prayed over his enemies, God smashed their teeth in their mouth. Maybe you have found yourself in that place tonight where you are just like that lady, that woman, that young woman who found herself where she was just about to get married, but her fiance cut it off quick. And she wrote in the newspaper these words. It was a classified ad. It said, "I have a wedding dress, but I'll trade it for a 38-caliber pistol." I don't know if you've ever found yourself there where you have been so hurt by someone in your life. For some of you tonight, that is your dad. For some of you tonight, that is your mom. For some of you tonight, that's your uncle. For some of you, that's an aunt. For some of you, that was a teacher. For some of you, it was an old youth pastor. It was an old youth leader that hurt you. For some of you, it was a stranger that you didn't even know. All of us, in many times, are waiting in line to get revenge on some person in our lives. And we often live our life by this motto, that life is too short not to get even. And you have found yourself coming in this place. And when I tell you, Proverbs 3, verse 5, to trust in the Lord, you want an explanation of what happened to you rather than bringing all of your weight and waiting upon Him in the midst of what you're facing. Do you see? All of us fall. All of us falter. And all of us find ourselves in a place where we've been hurt and we have hurt people. And I want to deal specifically with that hurt. I remember my 22-year-old son was 15 years old at the time. And my son said, Dad, will you please come into the room? He looked in my eyes. He said, Dad, I'm really hurt. I'm really hurt. I said, by what, son? I mean, it was my heart to protect him. I said, what are you hurt by? He said, I'm hurt by you. He said, you're winning the world wherever you go and preach. But you're losing me. And some of you right now in the situation that you're facing, it might not be that specific pain, but you have in your life been either physically abused, emotionally abused, maybe you found yourself even in spiritual abuse, but you have found yourself in a place where you have carried an offense and it has gone on way too long. Can I submit something to you that you would write down tonight? And that is this, the tree of bitterness bears no fruit at all. It doesn't bear any good fruit at all for you. And you could come into this place tonight and you could hear all of this about trusting in the Lord, but here's what I submit to you tonight is that your, your wounds of your past, they don't have to direct where you're headed right now. The wounds of your past, they don't have to direct where you're headed. The wounds of your past, you don't have to allow those wounds of your past to decide how you're going to get to the next destination. Do you see, you could come to a spot tonight and experience the healing of God. You see, we've experienced the power of forgiveness. And because we've experienced the power of forgiveness, now we get to experience the uh, express the power of forgiveness because Jesus has washed us and cleansed us and made us new. I, I want you to come and I want you to hear the story of Jonah. I-, I-, I want you to see the story of Jonah. And I want you to see that God can take your past hurts and turn them into his present handiwork in your life. I want you to see the story of Jonah. I want you to smell the sea that Jonah's coming out of. I want you to just see the story where Jonah is headed, where God has actually called Jonah to be. Jonah, the book of Jonah, if you take note, I just want to submit some things to you in context of the book of Jonah. Some people have said the book of Jonah is fishy. Some find that the book of Jonah is hard to swallow. But I pray you will get hooked. It's a well of a tale about a rebellious prophet in a wicked city and the God of second chances. I don't want to just parachute right into Jonah chapter 4. I want you to get a little bit of context of, of what's happened in Jonah's life. So if you take note, can you write some things down for me tonight? If you would, Jonah chapter 1, if you would just put in your journal, Jonah chapter 1 or in your notebook. In Jonah chapter 1, we see God's patience when Jonah protested. In Jonah chapter 1, we see God's patience when Jonah protested. In Jonah chapter 2, what we see is God's pardon when Jonah prayed. In Jonah chapter 2, we see God's pardon when Jonah prayed. In Jonah chapter 3, what we see is God's purpose when Jonah preached. When Jonah preached, in Jonah chapter 4, we see God's pity when Jonah pouted. And here's what I want to submit to you as you've come in tonight, and that is this. God called Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were the enemies of Israel. Why would God call a prophet of Israel to the enemies of Israel? Jonah said no, and God said go. Now Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is 400 to 500 miles away from where Jonah is at at this time. Jonah flees to the opposite side. He goes to Tarshish. Tarshish is 2,400 miles away from Jonah, where Jonah is called to be. And I don't know about you, but maybe it's been 24 days that you've been holding on to this. Maybe it's been 24 months that you've been holding on to what they said or what they did or what they didn't do. But here's what I want to tell you today, that revenge at its best will distort you. And at its worst, it will destroy you, but it will always immobilize you. And some of you in your faith, you've become immobilized because you've been holding on to something that God is telling you to forgive and let go of. How can I be a person that would restore what I really want to ruin? How can I be in a a culture that's canceling everyone, but God's told me that I'm cleansed and go seek restoration with everyone, live at peace with all men as much as it depends on me? How can I be that person? Listen, listen, this is what I want to encourage you to do. If you take note, write these things down. Number one, I want you to guard your heart. Can you just look at your neighbor and say, guard your heart? Guard your heart. I I want you to guard your heart. Now in your Bible, if you have your Bible in front of you or on the side of you, if you would circle some words for me in your Bible in Jonah chapter 4. In Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry will you circle the word displeased in your bible will you circle the word exceedingly in your bible and will you circle the word angry there in your bible you see jonah didn't have a fishy message jonah was called to say eight words to the city of nineveh and that was this in jonah chapter three yet 40 days and nineveh will be overthrown Jonah thought that the whole city God would burn to the ground. But God restored the city that Jonah hated the people that lived there. And Jonah finds himself seeing that these people were repenting. And God was restoring. And Jonah was angry about it. Notice this word. It says that it it displeased Jonah. It displeased Jonah. Uh, This word there, displeased, uh, comes to us. In a place of meaning that God was bringing Jonah to this place. But Jonah chose not to surrender to God in this place. And the Bible says that it displeased Jonah. It displeased. Literally, Jonah was shaking. He was shaking. Not only was he shaking, but the Bible says it displeased Jonah exceedingly. The word exceedingly there there means a lot. A lot. Jonah is shaking a lot. And the word, notice this, angry is used in verse 1. It's also in your Bible if you want to mark it. It's used in verse 4 where it says, God said, is it right for you to be angry? And then it's used again in verse 9 where God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant. Now understand this. This was no small situation uh, for Jonah. He's in this raging disposition. This is a place where he is hurt and he's hurt severely. And then this word angry means to burn or to be kindled or to glow with anger. Now, now it was used oftentimes of a fire that was heated up. And this was exactly what was happening in Jonah. Jonah's pale face was turning a fiery red. And he didn't want to give his heart to the city of Nineveh. He actually wanted to get back at the city of Nineveh. And and you'll understand this in a moment, but, but, but here's what I want to submit to you. In these moments where you have been hurt by something that you did not expect to happen, in these moments, you have to already be guarding your heart Because guarding your heart means that everything flowing out of your heart will be issuing in your life. And so Jonah brings us back to this place where I see that I need to be the person that is guarding my heart. Where I could come into this spot that even though I have faith, I'm still going to experience some pain. That even though God has called me to be holy, I still might experience some hurt. That even though I'm receiving his word, somebody else's word might come in and strike the very cord of my heart. Now now you might be asking, well, how could I really do this? How could I really guard my heart? I want to give you some things that you could guard your heart from in regards to anger. There is in anger, there is a uh, selfish response of anger and there's a righteous response to anger. A selfish response to anger, if you take note, always takes it out on people. All the time. A righteous emotion of anger takes that emotion and doesn't take it out on people. It takes it out on the problem. And so Jonah is called at this place to guard his heart in the midst of what he was facing. And this is what I want, to guard your, want you to guard your heart from. Here's what I want you to guard your heart from. Guard your heart from being hysterical in your anger. Hysterical. Guard your heart from being hysterical. You know what I'm saying? Your mom or dad says something to you. And you get hysterical, and you run to your room, and you slam the door, and you say things like, I wish I was never a part of this family. I wish I was never living here. And this is what happens when people get hysterical in their anger. There's broken glasses, there's broken doors, there's broken windows, and there's broken hearts. And oftentimes when we get angry, we get hysterical in our anger. Some of us, we don't get hysterical, but this is what I want you to guard your heart from. If you're taking note, write this down. We get historical. We get historical. Do you remember when you were hurt? What oftentimes I do is when someone hurts me, I get a three-by-five card in my mind, and I write down the hurt in that three-by-five card, and I file it away in my mind. And so in a relationship of what happens, months have gone by. The person has already asked for forgiveness, and you look at them, and they, they make you upset again. And then you say, do you remember when you did? Do you remember when you did that? Because I'm not going to forget what you've done. Listen, maybe it's not that you get hysterical, but maybe you get harmful in your anger. I want you to guard your heart from getting harmful in your anger. I I don't want you to destroy people around you. I I was reading of one man uh, in the news that that decided to drop uh, a a four-year-old and a two-year-old and a one-year-old off a bridge. And he killed his own kids. And they asked him, well, why would you ever do that? He said, because I got in a fight with my girlfriend. Did you know we get harmful in our anger? We get really harmful in our anger. We, we, we say things that we want to take back. We do things that we want to take back. But listen, you let your words out. And oftentimes, you can't gather all those words back. Here's what I want you to be. I want you to be holy in your anger. Listen to what Paul said. He said, be angry, but do not sin. Listen, I want you to come to a spot in your life where you see, man, that led me to some frustration, but that frustration is going to lead to communication, and you're actually going to deal with the problem. The problem is this, though, is that we often bury what God tells us to dig up. And we don't want to allow these situations in our lives to fester at a spot where you're saying, I can't trust in the Lord because my dad did that. My mom said this. I want you to come to a spot where you're guarding your heart. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to guard your eyes. I want you to guard your eyes right now. If you're taking note, I, I want you to guard your eyes. The, the Bible tells us this about Jonah. Is Jonah said to the Lord, he said these words. He said, therefore, Jonah previously fled out to Tarshish. Why? It says, for I know, Jonah said to God, that you are a gracious and merciful God. Slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. It is better for me to die than it is to live. Not only do I want you to guard your heart, I want you to guard your eyes. Can you look at your neighbor and say, Guard your eyes? Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. I-, I want you to guard your eyes. Come, come back to me for a minute. I-, I want you to guard your eyes at a spot in your life. Where, where you are going to filter everything that you're going to see through the character of God. I, I want you to filter everything that you see through the character of God. We love to put filters on things. We love to put filters on pictures and selfies and, and everything that we post up on. So we love filters. Here's your filter. The filter is the character of God in your life. Notice the Bible says, Jonah says, for I know... I know. The word "know" there is a the Hebrew word yada. And this is how I remember it. Jonah's yada helped him nada. It didn't help him at all. Jonah knew everything that he should have been doing and seeing and looking at and acting. But Jonah did not respond right. And many times you can know the right thing to do and have all the right information, but you still don't do anything about it. Notice Jonah was made to see the character of God. Notice he says you're gracious, you're merciful, you're slow to anger, you're abundant in loving kindness, and you're one who relents from doing harm. Notice all of those things. And and I just want to highlight them, if you would, and if you're taking note. The word gracious there means to make something lovely. The word merciful there in your Bible means to be full of compassion. The word "slow to anger means long time to burn. The words abundant in loving kindness mean powerful in his unfailing love. Notice the words relent from doing harm means compassion not to harm. Now, we are, we're limited on time, so I want to make sure that if you need any of these notes, just come back to me and talk to me about this. But, but listen to what, who God is. Listen to what God does. Listen to what God does. God makes lovely. He's full of compassion. It takes him a long time to burn. And notice this. He's powerful in his unfailing love, and he's compassionate not to harm. Does that mark how you view Things in your life. Because many times we're so bent on what they did or what they didn't do that we fail to see what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We fail to see that Jesus was the one who came down out of heaven to this earth, who was betrayed, who was forsaken, who was lied about and all of our sin was placed upon him. And we see Jesus uniting sinful humanity with holy divinity at the cross and here's what I want you to filter everything in your life on how you see things I want you to see things through the character of God this is how you're going to view in your life as you grow older you're going to view life through a grudge or you're going to view life through God's love That's the odd. You're going to view it through the grudge that you have and become bitter. Or you're going to be the person that now views everything in the light of God's love. Lastly, here's what I want you to do. I want you to guard your mouth. I want you to guard your mouth. I want you to guard your mouth. Notice Jonah, when it comes to his situation... Notice the Bible says that Jonah went out of the city. He was on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter. And the Bible says he was watching to see what God would do to the city. So Jonah's watching this in his life. And he's waiting for God. Like Sodom and Gomorrah to send fire down from heaven. He's waiting for God to bring disease or whatever might happen in Nineveh. He's waiting. But that doesn't happen. The people repent, they're restored, and they're revived, and God does something very specific. All of the sudden, it happened, the Bible says. When the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, then he wished death for himself and said these words. Notice, out of Jonah's mouth. It is better for me to die than to live. This was God's prophet. But yet he sees in his life that it's better for him just to die. Then, notice what God says to him. He says, you've had pity on the plant for which you've not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? No, notice, notice this. Guard your... Come on. Guard your, guard your, guard your, why? Because when you're an unforgiving person, normally you're a complaining person. When you're unforgiving, you're oftentimes complaining. I mean, you could even be complaining about the worship songs that we're just singing. Oh, didn't we already sing that song? We just sang that song Thursday night, didn't we? Why are we singing it again? I mean, can Dan come up with a new song? You know what I'm saying? Oh, it, it's too hot at camp. It's too cold in this room right now. The pastor went too long, he wasn't as funny, it was too short. The chairs are nice, but people got to the chairs before me, so I have to actually sit on the carpet and my butt hurts. (laughs) Normally what's happening in our lives is we're not guarding what's coming out of our mouth. What happens from complaining is that you get critical. You find fault in every single person in your life simply because many times we've not forgiven the people in our lives. And we find fault in every situation that we're in. And then what happens to this is Jonah just didn't even care. He cared more about plants than he cared about people. Now in Nineveh at that time, there were 600,000 to 1 million people in Nineveh. The Ninevites were the most vicious people. The most vicious people. If they caught you and you were at war with the city of Nineveh, they would take a hook and they would shove it in your mouth and it would come out your nose and they would drag you to Nineveh. The Ninevites were known for skinning people alive. The Ninevites were known for taking human skin and making their couches that they would sit on by human skin. Listen, listen. The Ninevites were known for human skull pyramids. And God said to Jonah, I want you to go to them. I want you to go to them. Has God ever called you to go back to a person that you didn't want to go back to? Has God ever called you to go back into a situation that you're like, no, Lord, that one hurt. Now, now, if you've been physically abused, I'm not saying that you go back to the person that physically abused you. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You need protection. But what I am saying many times is we, we sweep things under the carpet that we actually need to deal with in our lives. And we actually need to deal with those things in our lives. I'm living proof of that. I'm living proof of that. I shared a little bit with you just yesterday about my relationship with my own father. And it was a very difficult relationship. Early on in my family, what was most important to my father in that moment was alcohol. Alcohol. Whether my dad was thrown in jail because of another DUI or because... He just didn't show up because he had to fix the craving with just another drink. I was six years old. I was playing on a Little League baseball team called the Angels. And I was at a time where my dad told me, he looked me straight in the face. I remember what he told me. He said, Casey, I want you to know that when I get home from work today, We're going to go buy you baseball pants, and we're going to go have pizza together, and we're going to have a great time. Ah, The whole school day, I was waiting for my dad so much. I waited for my dad, and I waited for my dad. I went through all of math and reading. I went through all of my writing, and it was like the clock just went slower and slower because I just wanted to have some time with my dad. And I got home from school, and mom said, dad will be home in just a couple hours. And 5 o'clock hit when my dad would normally get home, 5, 530, and my dad didn't show up. And then again, 7 o'clock rolled around, and my dad didn't show up. 9 o'clock rolled around, and my mom said, it's probably, probably best, son, that you just go to bed. I remember the night very specifically. It was raining outside. I lived in a condominium with my parents. And my room and my brother's room that that we shared went out into uh, our window, faced the carport area where my dad's headlights would come through. And and my mom told me to go to sleep, but I I couldn't sleep. I was in so much pain. Do you know what I'm saying? The same pain that you felt? The same pain that you were in? And I remember my dad's headlights coming into the carport and piercing through my window. I remember acting like I was asleep. And I remember hearing his key into the door and him unlocking the door. I remember him walking into the house. I remember just hearing his footsteps on our tile floor. And he came straight to my bedroom. He came straight into my room and I was acting like I was sleeping. He opened my door and he came down right against my face and his breath just reeked with alcohol. And he said, Son, I'm so sorry. I forgot because I was at the bar too long. Fast forward. Throughout my life, every time my dad would say something to me, it would end in a fight. I had so much bitterness and anger and hurt and rage towards my dad, I couldn't even stand just to look at him. I didn't want to look at him because I was so hurt by all of this pain. My dad came back to the Lord when I was in 10th grade. I was 15 years old when my dad came back to the Lord, but... I didn't believe it in him. Even though I saw him change and I saw some radical differences that my dad would make, I held on to so much anger and bitterness towards my dad. I remember a specific night. My dad said, I need you to be home at this time because we're going to go to this place. And so I just took a walk. I was 17 years old and I took a walk. And I began to walk up the condominiums where I lived in and I ran into an old friend who was coming off of methamphetamines. And I began to pray for him and share Jesus with him, but I stayed longer than I should have. I didn't realize that my dad was actually looking all over the place for me. I didn't realize that my dad was actually in the car, driving up and down streets, trying to find where I was at, because I wasn't home at the time that I said, and he wanted me to be home at. He pulled up, I remember, in the condominiums, and he saw me, and he told me. He had some anger in his face. He said, you get in the car right now. And I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. He said, get in the house. I want to talk to you. And he sat me down with my mom in the room and him in the room. He said these words to me. He said these words to me. He said, you don't know what it's like for a person who says they're going to show up and they don't show up. And I said, Dad, I know exactly what it's like because that's what you did to us. And it was like my dad looking at me with his eyes wide open, and he began to cry. I began to cry as my dad was crying. And, And I saw, he looked at me, and he said, Son, he said, Son, will you please forgive me? I made some decisions in my life that I regret so much in my heart, and I just need you to forgive me. And I looked at my dad, and I told him these words, I forgive you. And it was like the weight of the world was lifted off of my shoulders. Do you see, from 6 years old to 17 years old, I was holding on to so much weight and pain and agony and hurt because I remember my mom sitting at the edge of her bed holding the divorce papers in her hands because dad wouldn't show up. And I remember that, and I held all of that inside, and it tormented me. It, it made me a bitter person. It made me a person where I would just look at everything and with the most critical eye I possibly could because I was unforgiving towards my father. The same father who God had changed now has come to me, and now I see that in my life that God made him new, and God was making me new even in the midst of the pain that I was facing that I was in. And the greatest thing for you to move forward in your faith by trusting in the Lord might be tonight that you forgive. It might be for you tonight that you forgive. It might be tonight that, that you forgive. Now, now, what is forgiveness? I want you to understand that. What, what, let me just tell you what forgiveness is not first. Forgiveness is not you forgetting what happened. Forgiveness is not excusing or denying that it happened. Forgiveness is not that you are pardoning or excusing the consequences of what happened that are not under your control. Forgiveness is not covering or denying the hurt and the offense that it has caused you. Listen, reconciliation with the offender... Well, forgiveness might be immediate, but trust is going to take a lot of time. So here's what I want to submit to you today. I want to submit that you would forgive. I, I, I would, I would, I would estimate in a group this size that some of you need to forgive. Who are they? Who's the first person that's popping up in your heart right now? Who is the first person that you can't maybe even stand to be around? Who's the first person that in your life hurt people that you loved and they hurt you in the process? Who are the people that said words that have still stuck in your mind? Even though now you're getting older? Who who are those people that God is saying for you to forgive? And here's what I want to submit to you. To this day, right now, I share that story with you of my father, not out of bitterness towards my dad, but showing and proving to you that God will restore and he can restore. I today get to serve at my church, God's church, excuse me, with my dad. I get to serve with my dad. That's something we should rejoice about. And that's a process that we want to go through. So here's what I want, I want to submit to you that forgiveness is right now. Forgiveness is the refusal to record the wrong. Forgiveness is the refusal that you're going to record the wrong. You're, you're not just going to keep on recording this. Over and over in your mind, you replay it. And again, forgiveness is a refusal to replay the wrong over and over again in a bitter way. Forgiveness is a refusal to relive the wrong out of bitterness and anger. Forgiveness is a refusal to retell the wrong out of bitterness. Forgiveness is the refusal to seek revenge. Someone has once written these words. The ultimate proof of total forgiveness takes place... When we sincerely petition the Father to let those who have hurt us off the hook and even ask him to bless them.